Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a new territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done as God ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the Word of God in a prophetic way under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to when he would have me to speak to the listeners, you, his sons and daughters. It's also purpose to invoke open and honest conversation on the things that many people, especially Christians, don't want to talk about, which is racism in the body of Christ. I pray that God will use this podcast to enable us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room that for too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep under the rug. You can help and support this podcast by telling your friends, families, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server through this title. You can also help and support this ministry through your love and prayers. You can reach me with questions and comments by email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at C-H-A-R-T-E-R dot net. And finally, you can always reach me at my website at thevoiceoftheprophet.strikingly.com. And remember, if for some reason the podcast doesn't come through or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. Hello. This week's episode is entitled, Let Go of the Anger. I cannot begin to tell you how difficult this episode has been for me to complete. However, as always, I must not only be obedient to our Father, but I must obey Him with my whole heart. My first question today is, does forgiving mean forgetting? Not necessarily. In fact, not at all. Because we forgive definitely does not mean we forget. In actuality, there are some things that I wish I could forget about. One of the questions that I always pose is, if God forgets our sins, why doesn't he let us forget them too? Micah 7, 18 through 19 reads from the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible, Who is a God like you? who forgives iniquity and passes over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy and loving kindness. He will again have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. The only reason God allows us to remember our sins 
that have already been forgiven, even though he forgets them, is so that we don't repeat them again. We are to learn from them. They're not there to bring guilt and condemnation, but once we come to repentance, the memories remain for us to gain wisdom and understanding. Those memories are there so that the Holy Ghost can bring them, can use them to bring conviction, not condemnation, so that we will separate from the things that separate us from God. God does not stay angry with us. And as God doesn't stay angry with his sons and daughters forever, neither should we remain angry and unforgiving toward others. But let's remember something. God forgives us only when we repent. And it's the repented sin that he throws into the depths of the sea. Let's not be fooled into thinking that God doesn't remember or see the sins that have not been acknowledged or where there's been no remorse and regret. He remembers quite well the unrepented sins of the people of this world. We must and will stand in the judgment for every sin and wrong act that we commit unless there is repentance. For every act of racism, hatred, bigotry, and discrimination against a person or people just because of the color of their skin, those who committed those acts, as well as those that idly stood by and did nothing while those acts were being carried out, will stand in the judgment. Those sins have not been and will not be forgotten by God as long as there is no repentance as well as atonement. And remember, repentance is not just saying you're sorry but it also means not doing the wrong again. Mankind has committed so many horrendous, hateful acts towards one another from the beginning of time. And a lot of them were committed in the name of God and Jesus Christ. How can we forget the crusaders who literally tried to wipe out every race of people who did not profess Christianity? Also remember it was the poor former prisoners, the oppressed, and those with religious differences from England who migrated to America. These were the people who were looked down upon and were held in bondage, although not slavery. Who's to say that perhaps they were suppressed in such a way that they swore that they would become and remain the dominant race no matter what it took? Perhaps just for the sake of argument, Maybe they were so hurt and angry that their primary objective through that anger was to rise to a level of dominance in the world so that no other race or people would ever overpower them again. In all honesty, there seems to be an unspoken fear among many whites, not all, but many, that appears to have been passed from generation to generation that literally screams to never allow any other race to be equal to them. This may very well be where the teachings of white supremacy stems, not out of the pride of being white, but actually out of the fear. There is a fear, anger, and unforgiveness within the white race that does not allow for any other race to advance, progress, or gain ground in any way, 
And this seems to be against any race that is not white. And in the end, it's the innocent, blacks and other minorities who have paid and continue to pay the price because of that fear, anger, and unforgiveness. Several years ago, someone coined the phrase angry black woman. It was a stereotype that a trope in American society portrayed African-American women as sassy, ill-mannered, and ill-tempered by nature. It was as though they were saying we, black women, were just born that way. Although this statement is totally untrue and extremely racist, I could easily say that not just black women, but black people in general definitely have reason for being angry. I could begin to name just a few atrocities past as well as present, that would justify the anger and ill-tempered nature that's referred to in, this, in that stereotype. And yet, giving someone the right to feel that anger is not a pass to continue in and hold on to it. We have the right, but we don't have to move on that right. I've said many times in the past, just because I have a right to do a thing doesn't mean that I should or that I have to do it. And believe me, Black women, Black people overall have a right to be not just angry, but downright mad. Let me put it like this. If I come to a stop sign or a green, green light and it's my legal right to move on it, but I see a car speeding through that sign or light illegally, as right as I might be, I will not move on that right. Yes, black people actually do have a right to be angry about so many, many things. But because we have a right to it, doesn't mean that it's in our best interest to move on it. It doesn't mean that it's principled, honorable, or ethical. Does the character, morals, and integrity that we strive to maintain within us allow for it? Does common sense even dictate it? If I take that light or stop sign just because it's my right, I, or worse yet, my family could easily end up seriously injured or dead. It's not only not in our best interest as Black people, neither is it in our best interest as Christians. As those who believe in the word of God and have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we must be willing to let go of the anger. There are not just physical implications, but spiritual ones as well. Not letting go of anger doesn't just injure the individual holding the anger because they have a right to it, but it causes wounds and injuries to those we love and are a part of our lives. Having the right to do a thing doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. I've seen and experienced secondhand anger from individuals who were unable to express their hostilities toward those who caused the anger in the first place. Oftentimes, a mother who's being abused by her husband will inadvertently take it out on the children through yelling, screaming, or even hitting them. Oftentimes, it's realized that people who bully others are angry because they are or were bullied by someone else. 
We need to let go of the anger, but at the same time, never forget so that we don't allow the same occurrences again. Some of you might remember a few weeks ago, I shared an episode in which the five stages of grief were named. Anger was one of those stages. One of the things that we must remember about grief is that it needs to be expressed. It needs to be talked about and dealt with appropriately. It's the same way with anger. If we don't appropriately deal with the anger, it's inevitable that sooner or later there will be an explosion. And unfortunately, the longer the explosion is delayed, the more damage will be brought about when that explosion occurs. And it's definite that it will occur. The bottom line is, if you're still angry, then you're still grieving. There are two distinct things about anger. One, a person cannot forgive while they're still angry. And two, a person cannot heal from anger without forgiving. In order to forgive and be healed, one has to let go of the anger. As stated earlier, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. But again, remembering is not for the purpose of not forgiving. So how do we handle the anger that so many Black people justifiably and rightfully feel? For some, not a lot, but a few, they handle it through rage, striking back, and even riots. Yes, the riots are definitely a clear indication of anger. Riots are just a small example of the explosions that occur when anger is not dealt with appropriately. And remember, this is anger that has been building up for hundreds of years. For others, they feel that they have the right to retaliate in some other way just to show them the reference them being the other race. Another thing I always say is to search your motives for whatever it is that you do. If your motives are just to show someone else as a mean of retaliation or getting back at them, then again, don't do it. No matter how good, right, or just it may seem, if it's not in a way that's pleasing, right, and ordained of God, then don't do it. Let me say something about anger. We must always remember that there is such a thing as a righteous anger. The Bible tells us to be angry and sin not. There's a clear and present danger in holding on to anger, and it's not concerning those that you're angry with. When I was a girl coming up, there would be commercials on television that would warn kids about swimming alone. They said to always use the buddy system, never swim alone, and always bring a friend with you when you go to swim. I often share that the enemy always uses that lesson. He never works alone. He never goes alone. There's never just one demon. When you see one, there's always another. You see, the anger that started out in us as an emotion as a justifiable emotion can become so strong 
that if allowed, a spirit of anger will enter in. With that spirit of anger, it will eventually be joined by a spirit of depression. When there's anger, especially over a long period of time, depression will set in. It's hard not to be angry, downright mad, when day after day the news speaks of the atrocities perpetrated against Black people, not because of a crime they've committed, but only because of the color of their skin. Are there crimes being committed by Black youths? Of course, but when you tell someone that they're dangerous, thieves, gangsters, murderers, and treat them that way, after a couple of generations or so, they begin to act that way because it's what they've been taught and it's what they've come to believe. But crimes are being committed by all races. However, the commitment of a crime should not be used as an avenue or an excuse to get away with the abuse and murder of an individual. Unfortunately, I believe that there's a direct link and underlying motives to black men and women being falsely accused, framed, and outright lied upon in order to incarcerate them. I believe that purpose is to fill prisons with the thought out intended plans of legal slave labor and to fill the coffers of those who are in the business of penitentiaries. Sounds preposterous, doesn't it? Do your own research and find out for yourselves exactly who prospers from the filled prisons. They're no longer buildings to inter criminals. They're now privately owned businesses that are in it only for the profit. Anger deepens and intensifies when perpetrators against Blacks are often those that we're supposed to be able to turn to in our times of trouble and danger. When it's the police, state troopers, sheriffs, those that are there to protect and serve, those that are there to enforce the law without bias that are involved in these abominations against black men and women. When you hear that there are men and women in the military that specifically joined so that they could be trained for tactical defense with a planned insurrection to divide the country and have it where only whites will rule, anger deepens even more. Everyone should be angry, but everyone isn't afraid or fearful for the lives of their sons and daughters simply because their skin is black. It's very, very hard not to be doggone mad. As I read the paper on last Thursday, The Advocate, in the living section, there was a commentary by Eugene Harold Robinson. Eugene Robinson is a Pulitzer Prize winning editor for the Washington Post and runs a twice a week column. Mr. Robinson mentioned, I repeat, mentioned the Tulsa massacre that occurred 100 years ago in his commentary last Thursday. The reason it was only mentioned was because he wanted to bring to the attention of his readers how many other times 
and in how many other cities the same horrors took place. He entitled his articles, It Was Much More Than Tulsa. The commentary speaks of the same acts of violence taking place in Chicago, Detroit, and Atlanta, just to name a few major cities. And only God knows how many small rural areas where black people were killed in huge amounts at one time because whites didn't want them to prosper financially. It's so hard to let go of the anger. And yet, here I am saying to every Black listener to let go of the anger. When we hold on to things like anger, hurt, worry, and pain, especially the kind of hurt and pain that racism brings, it literally affects us physically. I am more than sure this is another reason Black men die so much earlier than their white counterparts. They've been angry, but not allowed to express or even do anything to correct that anger. They've been angry about wrongs being done, and instead of the wrongs being corrected, more wrongs were piled on top. To live in a time where history is being hidden and to see white supremacists still trying to pass laws that will keep black men and women as well as their children suppressed for another hundred years is unfathomable. Tears roll down my cheeks. I feel the heat in my face and my heart aches. But I know I can't hold on to this anger because if I do, I'll begin to hate. And hate removes love. Hate is like a cancer that spreads. It affects every aspect of an individual's life. Hatred takes our joy, our peace, and happiness. And no one should be allowed that type of effect or control in our lives. In the same day's newspaper, there was a separate article concerning white state troopers here in Louisiana who beat a black man so badly that they broke his limbs and then texted one another with congratulations on what a good job they did in whooping his expletive. Within the past month, again, Louisiana state troopers are now being investigated and hopefully about to be indicted with the cover-up of beating and murdering a black man. That cover-up went on for nearly two years. They lied and said to his family that he had died in a car accident, but yet the car had no damage. I can't help but be angry and hurt when I think of my own sons, brothers, cousins, daughters-in-law, and yes, every black person that I don't know who could be subject to such abuse and hatred. But the anger must remain a righteous one without sin. And hatred is sin. I believe that one reason so many whites can continue to overlook and justify racism is because they really don't know black people. You don't know a person from what you hear on the news 
and that includes Fox and CNN. You don't know a person just by what you hear from someone else. There are so many white people who really don't know anything about black people other than what they've heard from someone else. You can't know anything about a person without spending true quality time with them. There are whites that can't look upon a black person even as human, let alone equal to them. And it's only because they don't know them. Now, obviously this is not for all whites, but it goes both ways. I became friends, fast friends with several whites, ate with them, laughed and talked with them, even sat under their teachings, preachings, and submitted to their authority and leadership. And yet, not all of them, but for some of them, when the wrongs began to be exposed, they became defensive and stood up for every atrocity that was being committed against the black race. They continued to stand by people like Donald Trump and others, touting them as Christians. But yet, they called themselves my friends and friends to other blacks. I'm asking every listener right now, do you have a friend of another race? I'm not talking about a coworker, a church member, or even a neighbor. I'm talking about a friend that you have sat and talked with in order to see racism from a different perspective. And if you can't talk with someone about the hard things without ostracizing them, then you're really not friends. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but at least listen from their perspective. Don't debate or argue, but share viewpoints. And when having these discussions, even if tempers flare, let the anger go. Don't stay mad. Life is not a game of marbles where when you don't get your way, you just pick up your marbles and go home. We need to let go of the anger. Has what occurred through the years wrong? Not only was it wrong then, it's still wrong now, but yet we need to let go for our own sakes. If we're still angry, then we haven't forgiven. And if we don't forgive those who come against Blacks, then our Heavenly Father can't forgive us. Forgiving, truly forgiving, can only be done by a total trust in God to do what needs to be done. This trust cannot be contingent on what we want or what we consider to be justice. This trust cannot be contingent on our own time frame. Yet, justice will prevail and it will be done in the right timing. I've shared in the past concerning the 400 years in the Bible. The Jews were held in captivity, slavery in Egypt for 400 years. The time frame from the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, until Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, is referred to by theologians as the 400 years of silence. The year 2019 marked 
400 years since the first slave was brought to America in 1619. I do not believe that this marking of 400 years is purely coincidental. Again, as I always say, there are no coincidences with God. Bear with me just a little bit longer because God is about to reveal something that each of us must know and understand. When Peter and James went to the tomb of Jesus, they found the linens that he had been wrapped in. John 20, 6 through 7 reads, Then Simon Peter came up, following him, and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. But the burial napkin, kerchief, which had been around Jesus' head, was not lying with the other linens, but was still rolled up, wrapped round and round in a place by itself. The Bible says that the napkin that had been wrapped around his head was lying separate from the other linens and it was folded. The types of napkins that is referred to in this scripture were called sardardians. Some of you may remember me talking about these napkins in some of the past episodes. They were tied around the head of the dead for the sole purpose of keeping their mouth closed. For various reasons, this was a common practice even up until the early 20th century. I believe that napkin was folded by itself separate from the other linens to bring attention to the message Jesus was leading. He was saying that his mouth is no longer closed. Listen to me. Listen to what God is saying. He's saying as the silence of the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew ended, so has his silence ended for this 400 years of systemic racism against Blacks. From 1619 to 2019, there seemed to have been a silence from heaven, but no more. The 400 years of the outright sins against Blacks has ended and Jesus will no longer keep quiet. So to each of us who have the right to be angry, who have been and may still be angry, let it go, forgive and trust God to give us justice from the acts of outrage and horror carried out by some white. The unjust judge in Luke 18 gave justice to the widow. Jesus himself said in the seventh verse of that chapter, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? For the past 400 years, we have not stopped crying out to God for justice. And now he will not put us off any longer. He will no longer be silent. Again, obviously we all know it hasn't been every white person and in actuality, only a few. Of those few, they are those who are just deceived by those that they follow. However, those few, whether they've been deceived or whether they're the deceivers, have had a tremendous impact on society as a whole. 
they've been able to not only change the lives and futures of too many, but to end lives unfairly, biasly, with hatred. The anger held against other races, no matter what the reason for that anger, has turned to hatred to such a degree that as the blood of Abel cried out from the earth, the blood of black men and women has cried out and continued to cry out to God for justice. God hears. And as I always say, when God hears, he answers. He is no longer silent and he's giving us justice. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and coworkers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening.